This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Marcus Johnson, CEO, founder, FLO Flow Brands. We're going to talk about turning passion into profession and coming out fresh on the other side for 2021. So Marcus from DC, welcome to the show. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I'm having a ball. Just uh, happy to be able to talk with you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I did a lot of uh, research on your TED Talks and your YouTube videos, so I'm, uh, I'm excited about our discussion. Uh, so why don't you give a little background on, you know, how, how you grew up and, uh, you know, how you got to a place here where, you know, you're basically a servant to others and, you know, changing the world soul by soul. You know, man, it's, it's really interesting. I often get asked the question how I've been able to or what was the key to my success and I am one who was blessed to be born to the parents that I was born to. Uh, my father grew up one of 13 and basically a box in East St. Louis, Illinois. Um, went on to get his undergraduate master's and PhD by the age of 26, was an entrepreneur. Um, at SIU, he met my mom um, and they ended up getting married, having my sister move into Ohio State where my father was a professor and then getting a chance to come to run an African-American studies department at Howard University in D.C. So um, moved from D.C., uh, from Columbus to D.C. when I was two. But from the time I was born, you know, I had entrepreneurship in the family. And my dad was, um, his undergraduate work was in mental health. And they both ended up being uh, psychotherapists, so mental health professionals. So I was always greeted in the morning by, you know, some word or phrase or paradigm within which to live to make sure that I was actively engaged in my life. So from, um, you know, being a, a young kid who loved music but hated piano lessons um, and then seeing a young lady smile, which uh, on a song that I wrote or which changed my life getting into music, I realized that. I was blessed with a gift um, to share, you know, harmonies and melodies that could change people's, you know, uh, enhance their lifestyles, we'll say. And then moving on through, you know, things like wine and, and having an, an, an eagle view of, you know, what's going on, looking at the 30,000 foot view. But good entrepreneurs are able to do that, but then actually come up with a pragmatic approach that reaches each and every individual. And flow means for the love of, and it's for the love of life, for the love of music, for the love of making things, you know, flow in our lives a little better. That's awesome. So, you know, on your, uh, on, on your daily going through the process, cause you talk about trust in the process, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, know, you got a lot of passion. Uh, it comes through very transparently. Um, you know, how do you think about, sense of urgency to get things done versus understanding that it takes time to build a business and how do you kind of keep yourself in check as, you know, as I try and do like, yeah, I want everything done yesterday, but I also know that, you know, if they, I've actually got a process and a, and, a, and an execution plan in place, I, I might actually be better off. You know, the thing about it, Pete, is I think that that's actually the balance that everybody really wants. I think that the myth of balance is the fact that it happens, you know, it happens every day. How do I get life work balance? What you just said there was a life of balance. I'm an entrepreneur. I work my behind off. Um, you know, my life model is, is deeper. It's an acronym. Um, dream, engage, environment, plan, execute, and reflect. So, you know, do I live by that every day? I try to. Do I mess up every day? Absolutely. Do I have to be gentle every day? Yep. But then do I make sure that I hold myself accountable for some level of 
you know, being in a dream, being engaged, you know, making sure I have a, a fertile environment around me. Is my plan written, you know, even if it's on success notes, you know, absolutely. Then, you know, uh, entrepreneurs are very good at execution, but we're very bad at reflection because mm -hmm. reflection uh, calls for vulnerability. You know what I mean? So you, wait a minute, you have to, I have to, you know, you had your Batman mask on earlier, right? So when I'm entrepreneur, man, we're Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, we're the super friends, right? But then at a certain point in time, you got to go to the, the, the Bat Cave or the Hall of Justice and say like, am I happy? You know, is this working? So, you know, you, you, you set things up. It's like, it's like going on a trip, man. You leave from New York, you're in a plane, you're going to L.A., but there's a thunderstorm, man. You have a written plan, a flight plan that says you should go straight, but your wisdom says we're not going through this thunderstorm, we're going to go around it. That's balance. Mm -hmm. And yeah. being gentle is very important, man. You have, to, you have to set up a paradigm where, you know, when you don't reach your goals, what does that mean? It just means you didn't reach your goals. What do you do tomorrow? And keep putting your foot in front of the other one day after day. And I think that that really is how you get there. And um, I don't want to be cliche-ish, but it's just like oak trees, man. Anything that's worth having takes time to grow. And you don't yeah. want it prematurely. So you, you're pretty transparent about when you started the, uh, the music company. Uh, and you got capital from, uh, from, uh, Johnson that, you know, the, the industry changed on you, you know, somewhat quickly and you had to, you know, learn from that and kind of digest, you know, the fact that there was nothing that was controllable that you could have done as far as I can tell. And I, and I've been in businesses where either the market wasn't ready for the product and I had to, you know, even though I went to our business school, you know, they don't have a class there. Mark is, I'm sure I don't have one at Georgetown Business School where you went that says, when do you know to pitch up, pick up the tent and like move on to the next thing, right? You know, so it's almost like we're so geared towards thinking that if we do something, we're going to figure out a way to make it successful no matter what, you know, and in these COVID times, you know, I, I use this cliche, you know, like uh, Luke Skywalker in the uh, trash compactor, you know, with all the, the two walls caving in and the floor and the ceiling, shrinking in and you know there's some entrepreneurs they're out there right now are like you know what you're not actually set up to be able to get through this and if you can't get through it like take an exit ramp and you know kind of dust off the wounds which you didn't control you didn't create in 2020 you know and, and let's think of a, a 2021 and maybe set yourself up for something you're passionate about going forward or maybe it's a great time to hit reset and you know get into a new new career path so how is it how has covid kind of affected you and people that you talk to and what kind of advice have you given people, you know, during this, uh, tsunami? Uh, number one, it's be gentle. Number two. Um, and when I mean, when I say be gentle, it is really take a break. I have a chapter in my book and I often speak about the idea of, you know, for the love of being stuck. Um, there are times when you're on the road, man, and the road of life and it's a, it's raining so hard that the windshield wipers aren't working. And when that happens, you have to pull over to the side, get underneath the underpass, and let the storm pass. Um, you know, it, it's the it's the matter of tapping out and being ready because you might have the right idea. This may just be the wrong time. But if you keep trying to, as you said, you know, fight the trash compactor, you might not see that the doors open over on the side. You yeah, know what I mean? Point, you, great point. Yeah, for you to, and you have to stop to actually connect back to, like, disconnect from your ego as an entrepreneur, and then get real as it relates to the creator that you are and like okay 
I can win this battle, but I need to take a break and I can win this another day. And I think that's very important for us. Um, I'm talking to friends who, some of which are having big time struggles more so because I think the traditional music school model has failed uh, musicians and artist school model has failed artists in that they never taught them that they were brands. So they're failing. They don't know how to pivot. They don't even know what the word pivot means. Um, and then there are those of us, man, where, you know, it's COVID times, but we've taken advantage of, uh, skills. So for me, you know, I'm not gigging as much, but as a JD MBA from G town, you know, I started a consulting firm. I started consulting to some of the firms I was working with and, you know, I, I am blessed to be in the wine business as well. And a lot of people are, you know, you say you're in the, the therapy business as well. You know, I can't think of a better therapy for some people than, you know, a nice glass or sharing a bottle of wine, you know, with a friend. So that has actually picked up. Online sales have picked up. So it's just really being able to pull away so that you can identify the opportunities. As you said, very, you know, definitely, you know, make sure that when you have wounds, man, that you tend to them. Because when you don't, man, they, they get gangrene and you end up towards catastrophic failure. It is okay to be flexible, to have a flexible plan. And when you see the door open, when you're in the trash compactor and the walls are about to kill you, it's okay to get out of there. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's great advice. I mean, we've been advising our clients and entrepreneurs like hibernation, getting to the other side alive is your ultimate yeah. goal. You know, if you, yes. if you take the door and the exit ramp, that that's a good thing. You, you don't have an obligation to keep a company alive in an environment that is not friendly to welcome you into commerce. It's just, it's not something that you should feel personally, that you should personally endure if you don't see the, the path at the end. If there's no, if there's no end in sight, it's not there. And if it that's is, exactly. then figure out how to psychologically calibrate yourself to get through that. You know, as if you're running a marathon and you're on mile 19. I mean, absolutely, man. Uh, my father always would say, son, if a ship is going down, that doesn't mean you have to be on it, especially if there are life rafts around, you know, and there's another somebody coming to help you. And, you know, another part of it, Pete, is I think that in these times, you know, we become entrepreneurs and we think that we have to answer to other people. We're not compassionate with ourselves and we forget the things that got us to where we are. So trust your gut. And that pulling away and getting that level of solitude or hibernation, as you call it, allows you to reconnect with you. And you, you know, some of the, the, the problems I had even with my record company during disruption through the record industry was because I decided to let other people's ideas of how a company should be run uh, dictate how I ran my company. When I knew in my gut that I needed to make the changes, that was a learning lesson. Uh, so one of the things you said in one of the, the, the videos I watched or that's always really interesting and I want to kind of probe you on is, is you have this phrase called love fear. And I want to kind of recalibrate like when you love fear, that doesn't mean you walk into the lion's den, you know, carrying a, carrying a stake with you. Like that's not a way to approach fear. So how do you think about, you know, the fear of failing over the next four to five months might be a door that you don't need to go down or love the fear if it's going to get you to a better place. I just want to get your take on how to recalibrate that phrase for, for current you know, events. Exactly. And, and, and you know, it, it's really more the, the concept of loving failure and fear is a, an outgrowth of that and the anxiety that comes with ambiguity. 
And we are in a very ambiguous scenario. But when you have that life model that we talked about, again, mine is deeper. And you sit down with a written, you know, life model of how you're going to attack or not attack the next four months. Withdrawal may not be failure. You know what I mean? And and, and I think a lot of people think that you have to stand up and, and fight and I have to show that I'm strong. Man, sometimes the warrior knows, okay, look, we need to retreat and come back around this way. And that may be a failure in the sense of this strategy didn't work at this time, but I'm going to go this way. And the other, the, the, the main thing I, I teach my students and, and the people that, you know, firms I consult is that your plan, as soon as it's written, I mean, you know, you're Harvard, I'm Georgetown, we could go to Jesus Christ University and as soon as a plan is written, it's wrong. So for you to think that your plan is absolutely right and it's going to be right with all this education and this knowledge is, is a crock. So stop telling yourself that lie. A plan is to set you up in a, in a direction. It's going to be wrong. So you have to learn to, to, to live with that and to be dynamic. And in those cases where you don't meet your marks and your metrics and your analytics, take a step back and ask yourself the question, why? You know, hey, look, we had a great strategy. It's just that we had a global pandemic. Look, yes, you have to make hard decisions of payroll, of, you know, uh, different consumers and and different contractors that you may be able to pay at a particular time. Communicate with them. Let them know what you're going through. And more than that, you know, you will get people that will say, look, I'll take a cut, you know, in order to make sure that we get through. Hey, furlough me, but let me go work somewhere else for a little bit and I'll come back when, when it comes back. I think that the loving the fear and being vulnerable allows you to the, the humility that 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 allows people to connect with you and stick with you. And that's yeah. how you make it through crazy times, man. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, 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 you know, the primal instinct of humans survived because we connected with one another. And when you are inflexible, number one, you break. But number two, man, you, people don't like you. And what I tend to find is people who are successful and happy, there's a difference. You can be super successful, right? But the people that I find that are happy and successful are those who have a core group of people around them that respect them because of the fact that they exhibit vulnerability within the fact that they have all that ego. And we have ego, man. Let's be uh, I got one. You have one. You can't be out here making it without one. You can't. You can't jump off of a cliff knowing that you're human and you have to figure out some way of flying without an ego, without faith. It's just a matter of so long as it's not super, you know, it's physically catastrophic, you can recover from anything. Yeah. And being vulnerable and likable is is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, in 2021, people actually gravitate towards things they're passionate about things that they know excite them, that they can have fun with. You You, you use this quote crazy enough to have fun, you know, with what you're doing. And, and that really resonates with me. You know, do you, are you concerned? Let me tell you what I'm concerned about. And then you can tell me what you're concerned about. This is my podcast. I'll be on yours. If you have one, or I'll just call you. I'll talk to you whenever I, I feel like good. at this point. I love right? it. I love it. I love oh, it. Right? Yeah, so what, my man. So, so <laughs> Batman are around me, baby. There you go, baby. So <laughs> one of the things I'm concerned about is that people are going to gravitate and say, yeah, let's do this meeting over Zoom, you know, going forward. Or, you know, let's not have a face-to-face meeting. Or I don't need to walk and meet you for a coffee because we can just do this. Like, so, like 
humans are social animals, okay? And just because we got some more digital tools in our toolbox doesn't mean that that is, you know, a, a way to operate in the future. This should be an, an additional or ancillary way to communicate. I'm concerned that people are going to get their Peloton, they're going to get their DoorDash, they're going to get their Fresh Direct, and you're never going to see them. And that's what probably creates people that are more antisocial, who probably get caught in some kind of Facebook group that they're not supposed to be in. And, you know, they start to get radical views about whatever it is because they're not interacting physically. So what's your thoughts on like the next wave, maybe on the mental health side that, you know, you were obviously inspired as a, as a child, um, you know, by your parents, but, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Or what, you know, how do we take proactive steps to basically say that's not, this isn't okay. Like this isn't the new normal is not normal. So there, there are a couple things on that. Um, number one, I am not worried about that. I sit on these PTA. I'm on my, my child's PTA. Nice. And so I have these meetings with a bunch of different people. And the moms on this call and, and the dads are just like, I don't want to do another Zoom call. I cannot wait to get back in person. Yeah, good. And I think there may be a group of folk that would have normally tended to do things on their own. Um, where it's opened up some business opportunities, especially in the healthcare um, and, and, and personal training kind of uh, uh, world. So Peloton, you have that. Uh, you have, uh, uh, we, we got the Nordic track bike. You have beachbody.com, all that stuff. I miss people, man. I miss connecting yeah. at the gym. You know, I miss the, the, the conversations I had, the people that I, I worked out with. I don't see that as being a problem in the, the, the core. What I do think we're going to have to worry about is the post-traumatic stress of, oh, my God, can this happen again? Mm -hmm. um, and the folk that are, are, you know, going to be a little squeamish about diving all the way into something that's new. And I think the way around that is to have a paradigm in which you are actively engaged in your own life. Again, I get back to my deeper model. What is your dream? You know, how are you engaged in it? Who is fertile in your environment? Is it written down? Do you execute upon it? Are you reflecting upon it again and again and again? And I think if we can get people to some level of pragmatism that they can continue to move forward after the grieving period, because like we have lost people, man. We have mm -hmm. lost businesses. We have lost friendships. Uh, we have lost ourselves. And I think that one of the things in a recovery bill, there has to be some you know, codification of a plan forward to address the public mental health concerns that we're gonna face. Because you have people who are no longer married, you have people who hate their best, what used to be their best friends, um, et cetera, et cetera. We need a timeout, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think we need a, hey, look, pull over to the side, humanity, let's pull over, let's be gentle. And then I think, you know, talking to some of your clients, I think that the lifetime fitnesses of the world, I mean, that's where I'm a member, right? Okay. You know, I think that they are in a unique position to even use it as a business expansion model to have these, you know, social uh, experiences with their clientele. Hey, look, we know you want to work out. We know this, man, come just have a, a drink. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Come have a soda. Let's talk about, you know, your funniest experiences in COVID. And as we do that, I think that that we can heal, but there is going to be a post-traumatic stress from which we're going to need healing. Yeah, I think we're, there's pro it's probably been somewhat of a godsend when you think about the proliferation of mental health awareness pre-COVID, mm -hmm. because if there wasn't, 
you know, if Michael Phelps wasn't on, you know, commercials, <laughs> right? And if people weren't yes. people weren't talking about this, I think we'll be even in a you know, much worse position because I think it was kind of viewed as, I mean, I grew up completely different from you from a standpoint of, you know, having your parents, you know, talking to you about psychotherapy and like, how are you feeling? Like I used to have a cousin that went to therapy. So when I, you know, when I did something and my, that pissed off my mom, she would be like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to send you the therapy as if like, you know, like you're at the end of a plank. Yeah, like a yeah. punishment of like, hey, there's something wrong with you. So I always like steered away from even thinking about that as like a, like personal training for your brain. But I feel like there's actually been a wave of people recognizing, hey, going to therapy, like that used to be like, hey, you got a problem. Now it's like, hey, that's probably a good thing. It's part of your routine. I mean, you know, I, I tell you like this, my sister's an executive at a uh, Fortune 50 pharmaceutical company. And so my parents, I have uh, older sister's a doctor, MBA behind her. My brother's an OBGYN surgeon. I'm a JD MBA. The one behind me is a JD. The one behind her is a, is a physician. Something worked, right? And the okay. thing about it is we were always taught that like, you know, you need a coach and a therapist. Every successful person needs a coach and a therapist because they're family things when you start mixing dynamics with two different people in your families that you need to discuss and that you need to understand what your parts are saying, how you're being triggered. You know, I think people belittle the term trigger, you know, right now. And especially during COVID, my girlfriend who lives with me, my, my life partner, and I have been in some colossal arguments, right? But you the know, thing that we do that, is, we, right? <laughs> and, and you're like, you know, there's that, there's that evil, there's the evil one over here, there's the therapeutic one over here. Right? Yeah, right, you have right, all right. these other, like, you know, and you know what it means, and you can have all the cuss words associated with it. But then when you have the tools to be like, yo, I hear you and I understand, but let's look at this in a grander scale. That's not fake. That's not phony. That's not punishment. And actually, it's necessary. Because literally, if you had a client who's a CEO of a company, isn't that what you tell them? Look, stop. Let's let's see where you are now, your current situation. Let's look mm -hmm. at the resources and capabilities that you have, and then we can go to this next level. So, you know, as as my sister and I joke, and, and I would leave this with everybody who's listening, not only is it a good thing, it is imperative that if you are in this as a business leader and or an employee, have some empathy for yourself and care for yourself. Search out the nearest coach as well as the nearest therapist and be vulnerable. Tell the truth. Just go somewhere with somebody you feel comfortable and telling your deepest, darkest, because that's the stuff underneath that's, you know, causing these crazy arguments. And it's all fear-based. When you put it out into the open, fear kind of disappears, man. Once you put light on darkness, you can't have darkness. Yeah, no, that's a that, that's a great that's a great piece of advice there. So you know, in closing here, you talk about you know the worst thing in the world is unrealized potential. Explain yeah. that to our audience and give them a little bit of inspirational, you know, kick. Uh, you know, going into twenty twenty one. Well, the the reason I say that the greatest tragedy is unrealized potential is because you are put on this earth as a mini creator. And when I say mini, I mean M-I-N-I, -I, not M-A-N-Y. And the fact that we have been taught how to be waiters, we've been taught how to be finders, or I'll, I'll find it, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for, when all you really need to do is connect to your higher power and, and create, Pete. 
And I don't see us doing that anywhere. I think that we need to engage our school systems to address mental health and self-concept development at an early age so that we these kids understand, you know, that six year six year olds and twelve year olds don't have to be the largest group uh, uh, with the, the, the group with the largest increase in suicides. A six year old figuring that you've done something so bad or it hurts so bad that that you have to take your life, and then you have people out here. And, and the tragedy I say is you have people out here who are putting their dreams under a pillow to sit in traffic you know, or on these Zoom calls now with people they don't want to be with, talking about and doing things they don't want to do all day long to be exhausted to then, you know, turn off the computer or get back in your car and go home to face the same things in the mirror. And like, to me, you cannot be an active participant in society if you're not doing that. And you know what you want to do when you close your eyes and between the time when you close your eyes and you go to sleep. And if you just follow that, the world will be better for it. And then again, but if you don't, that is when you start to feel despair. And when you start to feel despair, that is what permeates through the society as a negative. And that's what we're seeing out here. You can't have a you you can't have a a, a global you know citizenry where they are engaged in positive purpose, even though it's hard. It ain't it ain't easy. It's hard. Mm-hmm. They can't be engaged in what they want to do in their purpose and be upset. You just can't do it, man. You can't do it. So when you recognize and choose your purpose and choose your potential, go for it. Because the other side is just sad, man. It is sad and unnecessary. Awesome. Well, hey, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope we get together in person soon. I'm happy to do a workout with you because I've been working out a fair amount. So whatever workout you want to do, I will be happy to join you. I'll I'll either come maskless or I'll have like my whole, you know, pimped out uh, Batman gear and we'll uh, we'll, we'll hit the gym. Like the old days, right? Absolutely, (laughs) man. I'm looking forward to those again, man. I really am. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. I think our audience here is going to love the uh, words of wisdom and, uh, We will catch up in 2021 and let's do great things together. Hey, man, I look forward to it. God bless you both. All right. And everybody out there. All right, man. Appreciate you. Bye. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also, to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, and uh, keep listening and making everybody great.